Good morning, everyone. That was really my first one this time. Thank you. So uh, here we are. Beautiful day here in northern New York. Uh, people from around the world listen to us. So if you don't know where we're at, we're awfully close to Canada. <laughs> There's no way not upstate New York because people could say upstate New York is Albany. If we're being right, like I've been upstate New York. No, brother, you haven't. Northern New York, right? We're northern New York. And so lots of people wonder where we're at. It's a really cold winter day today. Um, but we got the sunshine, and uh, I think we're all starting to look forward to spring. And so that's where we're at, right? Everybody's content. We're, we're here. Everybody walks in with different struggles, different places in their walks of faith. And um, I'm going to title this message today, Big Mean God, Part 3. For the last three weeks, last two weeks, we've been looking at some, some hard stuff. I went straight into the Ten Commandments and said, what's your vision of God? Father God. And most of us realized it's something that looks a lot like Santa Claus or Gandalf, the white or gray. We've got this idea that God is, God as father is, um, well, big mean God. And we looked at the Ten Commandments and we saw, wait a minute, if you actually look at the context of Ten Commandments, they are commands, they, they are, but they are ways where if, the ways to walk in relationship with God and other people, that's what it is. That, that's what they were. So if you didn't hear that, I'm not, I'm not going to recap right now. Um, and then last week we looked at Peter versus John, two different ways to approach, um, to approach our love for Christ Jesus and his love for us. And that was, uh, I really enjoyed last week. I did, <clears throat> um, Peter versus John. And so today we're going to look at a story. If you don't understand it, it really pours into the big mean God. In fact, I'd say this is top two or top three big mean God stories we're going to look at. And I've, I've reviewed this maybe two years ago. Some of you know this and some of you do not. In fact, we have a lot of new people here today, which is awesome. You get to hear me break down the big mean God story. Uh, so this is what we're going to do. Oh, before I do this, I want to let you know I'm leaning very heavily on Chuck Missler and khouse.org for this specific one. Uh, he cracked this wide open for me and set me on the trail. So what we're going to do is I'm going to actually read the story. And um, we're going to do something in the house that we don't normally do. But can we stand for the reading of the word of God? Um, because I'm straight reading. We don't normally do this, but we're reading the word of God and this is the holy word. So... Okay, ready? Big Mean God, part three. Y'all ready? Oh, but yeah, stand if you don't have pain. You don't all have to. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Then he said, now take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and sat on his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of where God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, here. And he said, here I am, my son. Uh, then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said this. He said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went up together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in, the, in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar under the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and uh, offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. 
Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and sand of the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. This is the word of God, huh? All right, you may be seated. Okay, so, <laughs> I enjoy this. What did I say last week? Have anybody ever been misrepresented to people? It's terrible, right? Or people, you have a reputation that's not you. Oh, I thought you were a lot meaner when I first met you. Why'd you think that? Right? Or like, ooh, we all thought you were a, whoa. Glad we got that cleared up. Now imagine if you're God, Heavenly Father, and religion, man's attempt to earn him, has smeared his name to most of his children. How would you feel about that? Pretty yucky. Let's use the word yucky, I suppose. So y'all just heard the story, right? You heard the story. You've, you know this story. I'm not here to stick up for my Father in Heaven. I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to actually prove anything, Kirk. I'm not. I got no, ax, I got no dog in the fight. I got no axe to grind. If that's what God the Father said and did, that's his business. He lit the sun. He hangs it all together. He's keeping the cellular divisions in my body going. He owes me nothing. But if you... Do you want to study with this with me today? Because maybe it's not big, mean God. You want to do that? We excited? Anybody? I need you. It could be boring. <laughs> what are the odds of that in this house? Pretty poor. So here we go. I couldn't contain it. I even highlighted a few things as I was reading it. But Okay, so here we go. The verbal recap, right? Abraham, yeah. Go to the mountain I show you. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What's the first one? Don't put it up yet. What is, is it? Uh, yes, okay. So here's the thing. I'm just gonna, I want to paste this out well because I could just give it away right now, but I don't want to. Here's my hypothesis, and you can come up with your own. I believe that Abraham knew the entire time that he was acting something out that was greater than himself. I do not believe this was a father walking his son up to sacrifice him. But AJ, I, shh, just give me a second. <laughs> if you were right here, I would have put my hands on your lips. Shh. Do you get it? Andy gets it. <laughs> I did it pretty much just for you. Y'all are not in good moods today. You better cut, chill out. This is hard. This is a hard story. Like, give me a courtesy laugh here and there. Thanks. So this is not a father walking up a mountain to slay his son. Because Bev was sitting here two years ago when I gave it, and she said that one of her religious people said, unless you love God more and you'd be willing to sacrifice your son, you ain't following God the right way. Anybody ever had that thought or opinion or heard of something like that? This is a hand. You raise it when you agree. Yes? Okay, thank you. Let's play along, people. Team sports. Jeez. So, yes, but can that be true? Because I got news for you. It would take the Lord God himself looking me dead in my eyes to tell me to do that, and then he would have to give me a million reasons why to sacrifice my greatest blessing, which would be my kids. And I got news for you. It'd probably still be a big fat no, thanks. How about me instead or something like that? So this is Big Mean God, volume one, right here. It's right up there with flooding the earth, which I spent two hours on and debunked that, by the way. It's right up there with flooding the earth. With That doesn't look like Jesus, right? Can you imagine? Je no, no. Jesus is the image of the invisible father, right? We talked about that. So Jesus appears and says, Abraham, hey, I know y'all waited for babies for a long, long time. But uh, just kill it. Kill that thing. Can you imagine that? Is that Jesus? Right. And so if you encounter something in the Bible that doesn't look like Jesus, then we don't understand it. Or God's a liar. And I'm okay saying that. Let Give him a chance, right? And then guess what he's going to prove to you? We don't understand it. 
boom, hit me up. I don't know where we're at. We're going to hit the ground running here. Welcome, everybody watching online. So at the end of it, he says this. He says he names the place where this all went down, Jehovah Jireh, which y'all in Hebrew know means God provider, right? Jehovah. But it also means this. In the mountain of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham knew. I was just doing something greater than me. Something will be seen here, right, Kirk? Because you wouldn't say, you wouldn't name something in the future tense, right? Something, it will be seen. What will be seen? Abraham knew something. Next slide, please. This is my proof. That was Genesis 22. Okay, no. Yes, we're going to start right from the beginning. Right from the beginning of the story, okay? And it came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. I'm going from the King James in this one. Tempt, Abraham, tempt. Tempt, tempt. Tempt to what? Hello, right? Tempt to what? I mean, to, to what? This is my, my hypothesis, Kirk. To let go of what was already said to him. I'm going to paint the, whole, paint the whole picture for you. What are we looking at? Genesis, uh, we were on 22. Now we're going, we're on 22. Okay, now let's go to 17. Here's what was already said to him in Genesis 17. Yes, please. Two chapters, four chapters previous, he says this. Your wife is going to bear a son, and you're going to name him Isaac. So this kid, not any other kid, and I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting, everlasting, everlasting covenant and buy his, with his seed after him. I think we have another one. And by my covenant, I'm going to establish with Isaac, which Sarah's going to bear under the inset time. <coughs> this blessing I've told you about, it's going to happen. Name the kid Isaac, and I'm going to bless his seed. So he's tempted. Oh, I suck at math. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Five chapters later to let go of what God had already said. Do you understand? That's the temptation, guys. It's so much more than this, but Abraham had promises the temptation was to let go of what was said. And ready? If you're writing it down, which none of y'all do. Who God, who God knew Abraham, who Abraham knew God was. That's what it is, guys. I'm going to ask you and put you in a situation that's really hard. And it's going to test who you know me to be. Do you understand? Cool, right? You've given me these promises, but all of a sudden I've asked you to do something that's way out of character. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to hang on to who you know I am or are you going to just walk away and say no because of the situation? See how deep this gets, Bruce? We just did the first sentence of this. The temptation was, was to let go of that. That's why this story cannot remain schizo God asking for child sacrifice because God would have to be schizophrenic to be Jesus God is love, and ask for child sacrifice. It doesn't reconcile. So again, I'm not here to, to stand up for him or say, don't you be mean to him. No, we're going to just look at this thing together. The first thing was the temptation to let go of who God says he was and who we know him to be when things get hard. Because i give you another little spoiler. You and I are Abraham every day of the week. When the surgery is going to be scheduled, when the name gets put on the prayer list, and things aren't going the way you want, and God, we've prayed for that baby, and it didn't happen, and why is my marriage? And the temptation is, who do you know me to be, and where are my promises? Do you get it? It's a great. This is actually turning out to be a really good story, in fact, and we're only on one. <clears throat> Bless you. So let's go to the next one, please. So he says, take now thy son, your only son, whom you love. We know you love. I know you love him. And go to Land of Moriah, offer him burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'm going to show you. That I'm going to show you. A mountain I'm going to show you. Earmark that. This is bigger than you might imagine. I want to show you something else. I want to tell you something else about Bible study, okay? And by, by the way, by the way, this is just my thing. 
I love to teach on Sundays. I do. But I sure hope you're not eating spiritually once a week. I really do. And, and if you're going to do that, go ahead and try to feed your body only on Sundays. Let's see how that works out. But if you are reading the Bible, which I would recommend you heavily do, um, the law of first mention is huge. In other words, wherever a word, a phrase, anything like that first appears, Marie, is monumental. Okay? Do you realize that on the screens behind me and right there, folks, looking online, when you see that word love, that's the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. Did you know that? So here's what that does. It takes the MGM thing and puts a big spotlight on it. Why did God first use love here? He didn't use love in the garden when he created, did he, Kirk? He didn't say Adam loved Eve. Nope. Didn't happen. Right here. Didn't even happen for the flood of Noah. This is, this is the first place. Keep an earmark on that because that is also another hint as to what is actually going on here. Oh, that's so good. So here's what, here, my interpretation. This is where love is first seen. What you're about to see is what love is all about, okay? And, and, and I'll get to that in a second. Next slide, please. I'm going to paint it together, I promise. So on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. So they travel for three days. They travel for three days. Eh, big deal, right? Three-day journey. Think of this. So think of this, though. I'm going to pick on Kirk today because he's very attentive and he's my dude, okay? And actually, he's a young dad. So God appears to us and says, yo, that kid that you love, uh-huh, you got to go sacrifice him. So let me give you a hint on something. Let me tell you something. So they travel for three days. So in other words, to Abraham, his son Isaac has been given the death penalty and has been considered dead by his dad for three days, if you think about it. He's a dead man. It's going to happen. He's a, he's a dead man. And to Abraham, the, Isaac was dead for three days. Interesting, huh? <laughs> Next slide, please. I'm teasing, and then we're going to put it all together. You understand? Do the puzzle. So Abraham said to the young men, he said, stay here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. I just wanted to say that in church. And we're going, the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So he says to his companions, okay? Uh, let me tell you this really quickly. Elsewhere, very several times in the Bible, do you remember when he was complaining to God that he didn't have a, an heir before Isaac? And he said, I only have my, my servant, Eleazar, okay? Just take my word for it. I promise that's what you pay me for. One of the guys here is named Eleazar. That's a very important thing we're going to come back to. Another piece of the puzzle. Next slide, Bri. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went, both of them, together. Okay. Hmm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How could... Okay, your, 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 your Bible school said it was a, a boy. He said it was a Josh, a Jacob, and Alex. But Josh and Jacob and Alex can't carry loads of wood up a huge mountain that I'm going to show you. Oh, that's because Isaac was actually 30 years old at this time, people. Some of you believe me, some of you don't. You don't have to. Isaac was 30 years old. He, Abraham, he laid the wood upon Isaac. I, Abraham just carried the, the stuff up. Abraham's an elderly dude. So this is not my, me carry, my carrying my son up. I'm not joking. Some of the research yesterday, pictures would accompany some of the theologians. And you always got Abraham carrying this little boy. But a little boy can't carry wood. That's just a basic thing. Then if you look back through, you realize Isaac was 30 years old at the time. He's walking next to his dad, probably in better shape, which is interesting. Could an old man subdue a young? Anyway, we'll keep going on that one. I'm painting it. I'm painting it. Okay, so uh, let's do the next one. They went up together, yeah. Oh, he says, where's the thing? And Abraham says this. He says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went up. 
shoulder to shoulder. We're up together. God will provide himself. Yep. Hmm. Next slide, please. And then, of course, the angel stops and says, uh, for I know that you fearest God. Get it? So the angel stops and says, don't hurt the kid, yo. The young man, the dude. But now I know you fear God. Huh? What do you, what do you mean? Number one, let's use two different definitions of fear. What did Abraham have to fear? Because if you're telling me to sacrifice my son, and I would gladly jump in front of him. There's no fear there. Oh, you fear God. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? You know, fear God. You take me before him, obviously, any day of the week. Or what if this means trust the intention of? Oh, that's, that's the definition here. And now I know that you trust the intentions of your God. You trust in his integrity and who he is because you haven't held your son, your only son, from me. Always watch repetition in the Bible. They're not just wasting words. So where am I? I believe Abraham knew exactly what he was doing. He was acting out something of extreme importance, and he was. I told you this is the, the first mention of love, right? Abraham is acting out the first mention of love, what love truly is. What does John 3.16 say, guys? For God so loved the world that he... Wait, that's so familiar right now. What are you talking, talking about? Thine only begotten son. Huh, wait, oh, oh, you, you see what I'm... Hebrew prophecy is different than what we're used to, Greek prophecy. Y'all think prophecy, you think prediction, fulfillment. That's Greek prophecy. That's not Hebrew prophecy at all. And what are we, what are we reading? We're reading Hebrew. They write from... They read from right to left. They have a lot of different traditions. And one of the main things is what's called a type, or in Greek the word is tupos, which you got to know in Hebrew, but it means this, a figure, an image, a pattern, a prefiguring, okay? That's where we get the term type or model. Engineers use a prototype, right? Something little that represents something big, a scale model of something. It's not the real thing, but it's, it's indicating what is to come. Ooh, that's good, right? I got some engineering type of minds over here. You do that so you see if it works, blah, blah, blah. It teaches you about it. So this, in my opinion, is a type. A type. And this is prophecy. Abraham named that spot in the mountain of the Lord. It will be seen. So he knew something was going to be seen. I'll put it together in a second. Now these are everywhere in the Bible. God is huge on types to better teach us things, okay? For example... You ready for a bonus? Do y'all want a bonus? This is nerdy as I'll get out. You want this? So Moses, do you, you want to hear this? Because I'll skip. So Moses, 40 years of preparation, 40 years of uh, exile, preparation, and 40 years of wandering in the desert. He strikes a rock twice, and boom, banned from going into the promised land. That's top five of big mean God, isn't it? That's not fair, God. I put up with your stiff-necked people. Right? And, and, and what, what was the big deal, everyone? It was, it was a type. There was a type there. I'll read that one to you. At Rephidim, the Israelites needed water. God told Moses to take the staff and strike the rock, and the rock would bring forth water in Exodus 17. Many years later at Mirabah, again, they needed water. This time God told Moses, speak to the rock, and it'll give water. But Moses was frustrated and upset with the people, so instead of speaking, he struck the rock. Water came... But Moses had mis misrepresented God. A, misrepresented God, because he let the people think that God was angry with him, and he wasn't. And his penalty for disobedience was he couldn't enter the promised land. But here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says this, that rock 
was Christ speaking idiomatically. There were two episodes with the rock. The first one, the rock was smitten and they benefited with living water. The second rock was not supposed to be smitten. If Moses had done what God had told him, the rocks would have modeled the first and second comings of Jesus Christ. But Moses blew it. And God was very angry about that because he was trying to teach his children something very important for them. You get it? So was that overreacting God? No. We would have benefited if Moses had done that, we would have benefited from more revelation about Jesus. Do you realize that? But he blew it. With his own free will, he blew it. And so we don't get that revelation. And that upset God. That's not like he killed him on the spot. He just said, whoa, now you can't make it in the promised land, man. Now that was a big one, Moses. Because my son is not going to be smitten, in fact. In fact, he's going to put it all to end with a word. That's why you were supposed to speak to the rock. Get it? So let's go back to this one and I'll tie it all together. Okay, <laughs> back to Abraham offering Isaac. I want to show you something to further nail this home. No, you know what, dude? Let's start right at the beginning. Let me fly through this because I didn't, I didn't put it together right. Boom. All right, yes, right at the beginning. So, yeah, I know sometimes it cooperates, but sometimes it doesn't. I hear you clicking on it. It won't go back? There we go. Jehovah Jireh, right. Mm -hmm. Next. It'll be seen. Tempt Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, behold, I'm here. Here, okay. Here I am. He says, you know, actually, let's hit the pictures. You know what we're going to do? Let's do the pictures. I'm sorry, Brian. Listen, that's not Brian's fault. That's a, that's, that's a problem. You know how we're going to figure out what, what exactly this means? Sorry about the interlude. We're going to actually look where it happens. This is the topology of Moriah. Moriah. Y'all can see it okay? At the peak, you got... The, in Hebrew, the offering of Isaac is called the Akidah, okay? Akidah, that's what it's called. So you've got the threshing floor of Aruna and Salem, Ophel. If you know how to your topographical maps, you'd be that better. On the right, on the, on the east, we've got Mount of Olives. On the left, we've got Mount Zion. This is where God said, who said, who picked the mountain? Remember I brought that up? Who picked the mountain? God did, right? So let's zoom in a little bit. Let's do the next picture. We're going to zoom in onto the peak of the Akidah, right? There's the threshing floor of Aruna. Do you know what we call where... He was. It's another name for the exact spot where this all went down is called Golgotha, the Mount of Skulls, where Jesus was crucified. I just showed it to you on a map. What was Abraham acting out, you guys? He was acting out the fact that 100, 200 years later, a father would sacrifice his son on the exact same mountain. Do you understand that? So let's go to the next slide, whatever's after this, Brian. We'll go from there. I want to show you something. Yeah, yeah, stay right there for a second. Stay, stay right there, Brian. Number one, God comes and says, we got to do something big. I'm going to tempt you to let go. You, I need you to be a part of something huge. Hang on to who I am. God chooses the, the mountain. It's the first mention of love in the Bible. Here's what about to happen. Again, they travel for three days. And again, in his mind, he could be, Isaac could have been dead for three days. He's, it's going to happen, says Abraham, potentially. So when the command comes down, like I say, at the bottom of the mountain is a guy named Eleazar. We're going to touch that in a second. Did you see the part where he says to his servants, we'll come back? Did you skip that or did I not? Did I not? He says, stay here with the donkey. We'll come back. We, we, we. I looked in every translation, NIV, New King James, King, 
Is this a man who was about to murder his only son? I don't think it was, guys. It says, we'll come back. So they go straight up. Isaac carries the wood, like I said. And then he says, he says, um, Father, where is the ram? And, God, and, 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 and if, you want, if you can find this, he says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. God will provide himself a, God will provide himself. Now do you see on this mountain it will be seen? Where's the, where's the sacrifice, Daddy? God will provide himself right here. And 200 or so years later, he did. It's a whole other story, isn't it? That's a whole other story. He was acting on something of extreme importance. Now, to really hammer this home, here's what happens afterward. Very good, yes. God will provide himself. God will provide himself. And again, you look at, yeah, and they both went together. So let's go to the one after the pictures, Bri. Here's what's going to happen. You ready for this? That's all well and good, but what I'm about to show you really hammers this home. Big mean God, part three. So a couple chapters after this whole thing happens, well, yeah, they, uh, they rose up and they went together, Beersheba. Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. So a couple chapters later, Abraham sends his uh, servant, again, the name is Eleazar, he sends her to Laban, sends him to Laban to find a wife for Isaac. Are you with me? We good? A couple chapters later, we good? So here's what happens after this. A couple chapters later, Abraham says, go find Isaac a wife. Boom, finds a woman by a well, Laban. She comes back and agrees to marry a man she's never met. Eleazar brings her back in chapter 24. She meets Isaac and they marry. Here's what's interesting. You ready for this? In Abraham, we have the father. In Isaac, we have the son. And does anybody know what Eleazar means? <laughs> That's cool. I had to look it up yesterday. I'm no, I'm no genius. Well, it means comforter. And so, yes, if I go, I will send you a comforter. So you've got Abraham the father, Isaac the son, and Eleazar is the comforter. Now, here's what happens. Ready? I don't know if I showed you this. In chapter, three, chapter 22, 19, they all go home. But here's the weird part. Ready? They go home, and I'm showing that to you. You don't find Isaac's name here or ever again until the moment he's reunited with his bride chapters later. He's united with his bride chapters later. So you've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit goes, right? Isaac's missing until he comes and meets his bride. Does anyone see exactly what I'm talking about? You've got the offering of the son, and then the son's not there until he's united with his bride at some time later. What? <laughs> Do you see this? Christ Jesus dies. He's not with us anymore, but he's coming back for his bride, which is known as the church. Isn't this awesome? Rewind. Big mean God says, go sacrifice your son. Is that really what the story is anymore? Or is it actually love on every single page? Don't we do this a lot up here? I do this a lot, don't I? And we arrive at the same conclusion every week. I said last week, I said, I'm a, I sing one tune up here. It's crazy. Isn't this crazy? And so here's the thing. That whole thing was about Jesus. That's what it was all about. And I love Abraham's attitude. Okay. See, don't forget what Abraham had been through. Abraham had doubted before. I'm old, man. The plumbing, not so sure about the, the kids. And thanks, Brenda. <laughs> that was clean, right? It was just idiomatic. Um, you know, and I don't know. And, and, and Sarah laughs, right? And, oh, oh, that can't all happen. And then, boom, miracle. And I think Abraham resigned, resolved inside of himself and said, I don't want to keep going on this treadmill. God, I'm going to trust who you are. 
And you know what, guys? Let me let me lay down the gauntlet here. There comes a time in every person's walk with Christ Jesus where you have that decision to make. I've doubted. I've wavered. The blessing I want's not there. I didn't get this. But you know what? I'm with you. I'm with you come what may. Come whatever diagnosis. Come whatever happens to my family. I've seen enough of you and your goodness to know that you're good. I'm with you. I can tell you when that happened for me. It was right after my father died. I was 25 years old with a whole bunch of nothing going on in my life. I just ended my music career in England, came back here. And my father was my best friend. Friend, um, Yeah, not a lot of family around here. And uh, yeah, boom. He was going through chemo and radiation, but he was, he was killing it. it was, he was kicking its butt. And then one morning, he just was gone. And I'm not going to lie to you and sit there and go, I was a man of mighty faith and said, though you slay me, look, no. No, 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 I, I did exactly the opposite of what Abraham did, and I let go of who God was, and I allowed the circumstance to change my view of God. I'm going to say that again. I allowed the circumstance to change my view of God as though God could change. I did, and I can remember sitting in the lounge with my buddy Pete, probably drinking Maker's Mark if I know me, <laughs> not excessively, people, and I remember saying to Pete, I said, you know, I just don't know how involved God is with our daily lives. And guys, we've all been there, where those divorce papers show up and go, where are you? And, and the pregnancy test never changes, right? And then your spouse, and, and we go, do I let go of who I know you to be or am I in this for the long haul? And that's what this message is about today. That's what the story of Abraham, I believe, is a lot about. It's about Christ. It reveals Christ to us hundreds of years beforehand. Can I tell you something too before we start to wrap up here? God wanted everyone to recognize his son, Jesus Christ. Did you know that? So God laid this out for his people and said, by this, they should recognize when he comes. Do you know that? They all had to know these stories. A son being sacrificed. Oh, man, this, this. They had to know this stuff. Then Yeshua shows up, and they yell, crucify him. They were supposed to know, and they were supposed to recognize Mashiach. You know that? Jesus holds them accountable. We'll talk about that on Palm Sunday. So again, back to, to Nor Norwood 2018. I want to bring up another point before we close here. In order to fulfill the purposes God has for us, because I, I got news for you guys. In the mightiest way and in the smallest way, I believe God has a purpose and a plan for every single person that can hear my voice. Me? Yes, you. I don't know what it is, and you're not going to know what it is. But in order for you to fulfill that purpose in your life, the individual purpose and the collective purpose that God has for us as a church... We must trust and not let go of who he really is, who he says he is in our lives. It's the only way we're going to get to where we're destined to be. And I don't care if you're 85 years old and you're hearing me. If you're still here, you're not done. That's that simple. Christians don't retire. God will retire you. <laughs> Ooh, morbid? I don't know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's how you'll know. You'll get to, you see him face to face. Ah, there you go. Boom. Must have fulfilled it. The only way we're going to get there, guys, is by knowing who he is. And this is this. With every major decision we face, that you face, there's a temptation to forget the promises given and all the faithfulness he's shown us in the rearview mirror. And what are we tempted to do? We're tempted to fret, to fear, and to fail. Somebody says that it says, Don't, do not fear 365 times in the Bible. I didn't find that. I found that it's a couple hundred, whatever. It's very steadily recommended. Don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And you want to know why? Let me make this personal. Brenda, Brenda can I share a little bit from your previous story? I saw a picture this week of my good friend Brenda, and it was a Facebook reminder of a previous picture. And there's Bruce, 
and Brenda. And I remember Brenda went through treatments for breast cancer, did she not? Well, now she's, there's another medical thing going on. Two choices, right? Is this one going to, oh my gosh, I'm going to fret and fear, right? And fill up with anxiety. Or you look back and go, you were Jehovah Jireh in my life. You carried me through that. Right? Or, or you could sing, never once did we ever walk alone. Right? We're going to sing that, actually, as a little spoiler. We're going to sing that because we're going to realize the next intersection, and you go, what do I do? What do I do? Hey, I've been faithful every time, every day. So you have a choice. I'll tell you what, we're, my family, we're facing some big choices right now in our lives and some big hurdles. Um, but do I just jump out of peace? Do I hand my peace over to the situation and say, it's going to take us down. I know you've been there every other time, but not this time. This one's too big. I set you up too because it's higher than the mountains that I face. Not this mountain though, Bruce. You see the size of this one? Guys, we, we overcome in every single area of our lives. We can't be taken down. Even death has no power over us. So what mountain would actually take us down, right, Bruce? Boom, there you go. Have we ever seen the size of God? Exactly. So here's my application, and then we're going to sing. Life gets hard, nasty, messy. I'm never going to be the, the pastor, the preacher that says, don't feel the way you feel. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying don't crown your feelings with truth. Keep the crown where it belongs on Christ Jesus. He's the truth. He said it very clearly. I am the truth. So what are some, what are some truths? I'm going to wrap up week three of the Big Mean God series and say this. First John 4, 8 says this. Anyone who does not know God, does not love, does not know God because, big revelation, God actually is love, right? So if there's anything in, our, in Gordon's life that appears not to be love, what's, which one's right and which one's wrong? Obviously the situation, right? God is love. Deuteronomy 34 or 32, 4 says this. The rock his work is perfect. All his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without inequity, just and upright is he. But I'm, he's asking me to sacrifice my just and upright is he. Maybe we don't understand it. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 4, 31. Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. Notice I'm hitting you from the Old Testament at this point. Don't you think I could go, Jesus says, I'll never leave you or break relationship with you? Do you see what I'm trying to say? So as we're, uh, as we're, as we're going through this life and things get difficult, the temptation is to let go of who God is. I'll give you some other thoughts. He counts the hairs on our heads, some metaphorically. Some, some actually. He gives good and perfect gifts. That's who he is, guys. And so as we sing this song, I want you to, I would like you to, yeah, I didn't want to lay around, you know what I'm saying. Because Andy'd go, me? <laughs> uh, done. Quick, quick job. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. As we sing Never Once, um, I want you to remember, I want you to look back at your life and remember how faithful he has been in the past. There's a reason God always said, celebrate the feasts. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. It's not for his own glory, because all glory is his. It's for you and for me. So let's sing this together. Thanks for joining us online. Hope you have a good week uh, this, uh, this coming week as we get ready for Easter. So.